0: Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. And can you turn with me to Psalm 23? Um, Because we're gonna start the year in, what in many senses is like an elementary Bible passage, if you can call it that. This is probably one of the first that you learnt. And I want to take us back to to Psalm 23 and in a sense to a simple faith with a great and a mighty saviour, Jesus Christ. I want to say if you're not a Christian and you are here and you're watching and you're starting a new year, we believe that Jesus is the hope of the nations and that he is the fulfillment of all the desires of our heart. And in him we find life. And as a church, our our vision is to see the glory of God known. And it very simply is to present Jesus and to enjoy him, to see Christians thrilled in the presence of Jesus. Because Jesus is not someone who is here to make sure that you are moral and behave and go to church on a Sunday. He came to thrill your hearts and give you eternal life. He came for something grand. And glorious, and in Psalm 23, we have the Savior there. So, if you can turn Psalm 23, and in just a minute, we are going to read it. Could I ask you if you're on your phone, could you go to the English Standard Version? Because in a few minutes, not I'm I haven't got anything against other translations, I'm uh, we're going to read it together um, in just a few minutes. So, I'm going to invite us to stand as the church has done for hundreds of years, and we're going to, to read this Psalm together as we stand before the this Jesus, But I want to just give us three reasons why I think Psalm 23 is a gift to us at the start of this year and a, and a help and an aid to our hearts and our souls. Three simple reasons why I think this is a, a blessing to us and why we should start here. And the first thing is this. Now, this Psalm really is, is a gift to those who draw a blank on their future. For those who struggle to see beyond the next month or so, I don't know about you, but normally in this time of January, February, I've got all sorts of ideas about what I want my next year to be like, and I have personally entered this January with basically, what's my next day going to be like? That's what it feels like. I'm going day by day. I've, I've the year is in the lord's hands currently i'm walking essentially week by week and covid has had this effect i think on many of us that what we used to do in terms of dreaming and energized about holidays and plans and future all of that has just been ripped away from us and it has left us really for many of us thinking what is my next step in life where do i go from here and even if not about crunchy plans there is just a sense in which we are in the moment and not able to to forecast too far. Am I I speaking to anybody? Does does anyone feel like this? I do, especially if you are future orientated anyway, you might be really struggling right now. Think I'm just walking through, and I think underneath the surface, many of us have have lost some inner energy because a lot of the future has like been, we just can't see exactly what it's gonna be like. We can't forecast or plan. And this psalm lifts our gaze to a future that will bring us Hope, And it takes us to a saviour who, while we walk through this life and we may not know our next steps and we do draw a blank about what's next in our life. We are told that we have a shepherd over our souls while we walk and wait in this place. That's the first thing is it's a blessing for those who draw a blank about the future. The second thing is this. This psalm is a gift to those who are weary. He leads me beside still waters. I always imagine like a Shire-like picture here, and the, the sun is warm, there's nothing to do, the birds are flying, the bees are buzzing, there's a gentle stream and it's just me touring a picnic. That's what I imagine in this psalm. He restores my soul. We're weary, aren't we? everything is kind of the same except there is this inner sense of weariness that it's not the same anymore it looks all the same we're doing similar things again but inside all of us have had this like just almost the bottom of our hearts has been opened up and all of the emotional energies have been sucked out and here we're told that there is a restoration for our Soul. So for those who are weary, those who are not looking forward to another week of work, those who are not looking forward to whatever it might be, there is strength and restoration for hearts if we come to the Jesus of this psalm. And the third thing is this, and maybe most importantly, we need the care of this God in this psalm before we need the, need the goals in our life. I mean, I, I have set some goals for this year. By October, where I'm 40, I'm yes, believe it or not, thank you, Healy. oh, look at that I didn't expect that I didn't want it, but thank you I'm going to be forty i'm experiencing existential crises on a daily daily basis at the moment i'm going to run a 25 minute 5k that's my plan i've never even run 5k full stop in my whole life but i am planning on running a 5k and uh, losing a little bit weight. and i've got some other goals and things i want to just get done and finished by the time i'm 40. um i've got goals i'm nothing against goals but before we think about our goals for our life, we, we desperately, I think, need this, this God. Because goals really just tinker around the edges of our life. It's like a wardrobe. You change the wardrobe, but it's just still the same us. Same issues, same vulnerabilities, same insecurities, same issues. It's just a different wardrobe. What we need is the Jesus who offers us a, a completely transformed inner self. What we need is a Jesus who cares for us and takes us to a radically different destiny that we cannot achieve. Goals, they might shape the journey some way, but it doesn't shape the destination. Only Jesus can do that. And Christianity is not just another way of you being a better you. (laughs) It's not like, oh, you're a Christian. You know, Everyone assumes we're all about creating the best version of ourselves, new year, new you. Okay, what's it gonna be like for you? And Christianity is just one spiritual way of becoming the best you that you can possibly be. Christianity is about presenting a God who gives him li- his life to us and says, I am going to transform your inner self. I'm gonna give you a brand new heart. I'm gonna give you an eternal life. I'm gonna save you from your sins. I'm gonna wash away your sin and your guilt. And I'm gonna give you an eternal life with me in glory and a proper truly happily ever after it is a completely different thing to just trying to work out a different way of getting the best you and we need God's care we need this Jesus in this psalm if we're going to experience what I think is is true life I hope and I pray that for all of us we would get to this point now through COVID and realize that goals and resolutions and tips and the next 10 things that I could be doing to be more productive and more efficient, like they might be fine, but they are not going to do what your heart needs. Am I preaching? (laughs) Can we just accept the futility of trying to endlessly create more ways to be efficient and more productive and try and get the thing that we we need something far deeper that will touch the deepest parts of our heart and our soul and in this time we have the jesus who provides that so what i'm going to do is i want to invite us to to read this psalm together and as we stand in just a moment we are standing before this jesus if you're not a christian you don't want to read this you can just sit and watch and listen that's absolutely fine but as christians we want to stand before this jesus because he is the one who makes everything Right, amen. So can I invite you to get your Bible and stand with me and we're gonna read Psalm 23 and walk through this. So let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. my cup overflows surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever let's stay standing and pray Jesus our true great shepherds we stand before you as your people acknowledging our vulnerabilities acknowledging our sin and looking to you, knowing that you are a great savior. You are a wonderful shepherd. And in these next few moments, Lord, as we gather around you, as we look at what you have revealed about yourself in this psalm, would you come close and meet the needs of our heart, we pray. As we gather around the bread and the wine at the end, would you meet us by your Holy Spirit and shepherd us through 2022, we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Do take a seat. So this is poetry, right? And with poetry, you can't be too dogmatic really about how you unpack things. It's true poetry, it's biblical poetry, but it is still poetry. So there are different ways in which you could understand the different images. But this is how I understand it. And this is how I think is a good way of understanding it. We have this valley that we are walking through. And the valley of the shadow of death is not something that you walk in sometimes if you get close to someone who's dying or you yourself is dying. The valley of the shadow of death is really a them for life because as soon as you are born we are born into death's shadow we are all 100% of us going to die and so we walk through life through the valley of the shadow of death and this is an an image that David works to talk about our own life and this first picture of this kind of lying down in in green pastures like a hobbit like shy where everything is fine and nothing goes wrong this is a possible experience in our hearts and what David does in, in the last picture in reflecting is he looks forward and forecasts what would happen if I were to make it through this valley of the shadow of death and make it out the other end he sees at the other end there is this table that is prepared for us so we have these three images we have these green pastures this shire like experience we have the valley of the shadow of death and at the end of the valley there is a there is a light a warmth food being prepared for us there is a table and in each of these three images, I think we have three things that we learn about Jesus, who himself identifies as the shepherd of this psalm. We learn that Jesus leads us. We, need the, we learn that Jesus fights for us. And we learn that Jesus hosts us. And we're just going to sit before Jesus and meditate and hopefully worship and enjoy him as we look at Jesus in this psalm. So the first thing is this. Jesus leads us. The bad news is we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. The bad news is that life is just difficult. And however many hurdles you seem to get over, there is always another hurdle coming. There is always another difficulty coming. That is the bad news, but there is good news that your external circumstances do not need to dictate what is happening within your own heart. That you can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and at the same time experience a renewal in your heart. That you can experience this, that he leads me beside still waters, he restores my soul. I think what David is reflecting on here is that he walks through the valley of the shadow and all the difficulties that are there entailed. And yet at the same time, he experiences this deep down sense of peace that you could walk into a year like this and think this is uncertain and I feel vulnerable and I do not know where I'm going right now. And yet at the same time, experience this inner peace that Jesus could be in the boat crossing the Sea of Galilee and there is a storm so strong that the disciples are afraid for their own life and Jesus can experience this sense in his soul that everything is okay and he can be asleep in the stern. So everything's going wrong around you. And yet as Christians we can experience this deep peace. And I think this for us as a church is, a, is a, an evangelistic gift that when life does fall apart that we have this ability to say with David, yeah, I know, but he leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. He's leading me in paths of righteousness. And friends in the world would look on and say, you Christians have a source of peace that is not found in in this world. Where do we get this from? It's not from like, hey, you're just like a peaceful kind of person. You've got a nice vibe about you. This is about Jesus Christ, because when David, he reflects, he says, the Lord, he is my shepherd. I shall not want. What does he say? He makes me lie down in green pastures. I'm naturally fidgeting and trying to figure out what the next thing is. The Lord, He lies me down. He helps me sleep. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. This is Him, 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 Him. He does all of this in my heart. I look up to Him and I am restored in my soul. This is all what the Lord does. Charles Spurgeon, who wrote a commentary on this, he says this about how the Lord can do this. He says the position of this psalm is worthy of notice as it follows the 22nd psalm, which is a good observation to make, but it's deliberately so because the psalms are deliberately organised consecutively. Thank you, church. It is only after we have read in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me that we come to the Lord as my shepherd? We must first experience by experience, know the value of the blood shedding and see the sword awakened against the shepherd before we shall be able to truly know the sweetness of the good shepherd's care. Spurgeon says that if we're to know the shepherd of this psalm, we need to know the shepherd who was crucified in Psalm 23, the one who went to the cross and said, it is finished that everything that you need to do ultimately and deeply in your heart has been accomplished. So yes, you may have to work long hours, but in your heart, you are not having to accomplish something before the Lord because everything has been done so that you can walk in peace because Jesus said, it's finished and we work from a place of rest. The interesting thing for me is here in this Psalm that David says that the Lord makes him lie down in green pastures before he leads him beside still waters and then into paths of righteousness because in my mind i think you earn your lie down like you do the walk with the picnic and then you do the lying down and the rest like you do your work and then you get your glass of wine at the end of the day you do your week's work and then it's friday in the weekend and then you rest and yet what david says is that first of all The Lord lies me down. Oh, you haven't done any work yet. No, I just want you to rest. And from that place, then we're gonna go on a walk, which is the gospel in a nutshell. You come and rest first. I wanna come to Jesus. Okay, just lie down and rest. Everything's gonna be fine. And from this place, as we enter 22, 2022, we find Jesus who continues, says, rest in my presence, rest in my presence, rest in my presence as we walk with him. So firstly, Jesus leads us. Some of us need to stop agitating, fidgeting, take a deep breath and look to Jesus and trust the fact that he says, just lie down. Secondly, he fights for us. For a lot of us, like, our, our understanding of shepherds is shaped basically by, well maybe now by Clarkson, I don't know, but Clarkson and growing up in Sunday school. If you're growing up in Sunday school, you've coloured in the, the, you know, the sheets with the shepherd and it's like the round, chubby cartoon men and they look kind of benign and they're looking into the star and they've got sh- you know, sheep on their shoulders and they look very kind and soft and cuddly and kind of like gooey type guys. The truth is far different. Shepherds in their day had a reputation and no smoke without fire for being rough, for being tough, for being willing to get into a scrap with really very little thought to themselves. I think they're they're kind of the modern equivalent of the community, the the traveling community today, like bare knuckle boxing. Like, I don't mind getting into a scrap. These, These were shepherds in this day. Like, yeah, I'll. I'll have a fight. No worries. David himself would go and practice fighting with lions and bears. These these were men who were willing to get into a fight. And David says that my shepherd, my Lord, is like a shepherd. Not the Sunday school like fudgy, cuddly, like gummy bear type figure. Think bare knuckle boxing. I'm going to go and track down a bear and fight him to the death. This is my God. And he takes peace from the fact that my Lord will fight for me on my behalf. He sees this rod in his hand. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, there's dangers everywhere in my life. I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me and your rod and your staff, they come for me. The staff was used for guiding and leadership, but the rod was used for fighting. This was like this gnarly large wooden truncheon in the Lord's hand, ready to be wielded. Our lodger, PC Micah, a lot of you know, most of you know, he's not in church because he's policing, keeping our streets safe, which is good. So if you don't see him around, he's doing fine. He's also in love. He's got a girlfriend, so he travels to Norwich sometimes at weekends. So we don't see him very much on a Sunday. Sorry, PC, he's working Ryan, so he's keeping us. But um, it's really fun, honestly, having a policeman living at home because you get to hear all the stories, um, the good and the bad. And uh, uh, we always quiz him about like, what are you allowed to do? What can't you do? What's going on? Where are the drug dealers? What are the gangs and all that kind of stuff? And obviously he tells me nothing that's not confidential. And, um, but we were asking them the other day, you know, like just conversation around the dinner table. Like, what are you actually allowed to do? Like in a fight, we're just curious. you know, like, how are you allowed to defend your house? Have you ever thought that? I, I have thought that like, what do you actually, if someone comes into the house What am I legitimately allowed to do? Not that I'm like itching for a fight or anything like that, but I've just wondered. And so apparently, I'm not giving law advice or anything like that, don't take the word like, talk to PC Micah. (laughs) Apparently, if someone attacks you, if someone attacks you, you are allowed to pick up something that might be nearby and use it in self-defense. Apparently that's the thing. But what you can't do, so if there was a knife by your side and it happened to be there, you could pick it up in self-defense. But what you're not allowed to do is carry a knife just on the off chance that someone might attack you. You cannot carry anything with the intention that you may use it. If it happened to be there, you may use it. So it's a funny little gray zone. I'm not giving law advice. It's just quite interesting to me. When we look to Jesus, what we find is that he actually carries a weapon with intention to use it. This isn't just for like to have a nice Catholic church with images. And we need another image of Jesus. What what can we think of? Jesus carries a weapon with the intention to use it so that he can fight for your good. And what David saw was a rod in his hand, but as we as New Testament believers now know is that when we look up to Jesus, we don't see a rod anymore, we see him crucified. We don't see him holding a wooden truncheon, we actually see his hands tied now to a wooden cross and he wields this weapon that it is own life being crucified, taken and impaled on this cross so that he can fight for us. So that as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death and Satan and sin and death are around us prowling to devour our lives, Jesus wields his weapon and he fights for us and he clears a path for us so that we will make it home to glory. Satan is prowling around like a roaring lion, we're told, waiting to destroy us. There are circumstances in our life that he wants to use to destroy us and yet we're told that Jesus wields the weapon of the cross. Death is always there before us, threatening to render our lives meaningless. And yet Jesus picks up his weapon and destroys death on our behalf and clears a path for us so that we can make it home to the table. Our own sin continually threatens to cripple us with guilt and condemnation. Yet Jesus says, I will take your sin on myself in my own body and die with it so that you might be renewed to a brand new person. So that you may not be a child of wrath anymore, but you might be a child of eternal life. Jesus fights for us. Every step of the way, he fights on each side and clears his path so that we make it home to our glory. The Isaiah says this. He says no weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. That's good news. You shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication is from me declares the Lord. No weapon that is fashioned against you. There might be people that might have bad intent. There might be people in your work who want to get one over you, who want the promotion, when they are trying to manipulate things around you. No weapon formed against you will prosper because the Lord has already picked up the ultimate weapon in his cross, which is a great comfort for us because I think there'll be moments this year where we feel like we don't have much fight in it for ourselves. We think, I'm just trying to get through my week right now. I can't think about fighting. And yet we have one who fights on our behalf so that you will make it. And the third thing is this with Jesus. He hosts us at this dinner table, which is potentially the best thing. I don't know. Verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So much hope has been pulled away from our city, I think. I think many people are walking around without an inner energy because they can't find a proper hope to hang their Hearts on. They can't. Where, where is everything going? Everything feels like it's shifting and moving. What is it that I'm looking forward to? And what David does in this psalm is he just like lifts our chin slightly and says, Don't look to 2022. Don't look to your next step in your life. Don't look to the next thing that's happening. Don't look further, look further, look further. He asks us to look right to the end to find the true and biblical hope that we have that is a sure foundation for our hearts. The very end of this life whatever it might be for us and he says there is a glorious end if you know that everything is going to work out okay I think it helps working through some difficulties doesn't it if you know that actually at the end of everything like if t- I walk through difficulty tomorrow about tomorrow like it's all gonna be okay it's, I think I can do it if we know that actually the end of my story is good and there is rest coming for me and glory, and joy, and all the hopes of my heart will be found in Jesus Christ. And I'm getting there. It will sustain me as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And this is what he says. He prepares this table for us. As I was meditating on this a while back, I was, I was just trying to imagine, like, so David's writing poetry. I was trying to kind of imagine all that was going on in his mind. And I was beginning to imagine this kind of great, like, banqueting table and this kitchen, you know, this vast, you know, like, those nice kind of Dorchester-like kitchens and all the stuff, and I was imagining, like, all these angels getting everything ready for us and all the smells and all the sounds and what it would be like to have a thousand angels, you know, getting this dinner table ready for the saints as we go and, you know, meet Jesus for the first, and all the hubbub that we would be going on and all the tables that would be being laid, and, and as I was reading it and reading it and reading, I got stopped short because I realised my imagination was taking me of course because what does it say here it says in verse 5 you you the lord the shepherd you jesus you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies jesus hasn't delegated the preparation of this dining table Out to the angels David says you're preparing What he sees in the future is Jesus preparing Our future for us And he says it in John 14 doesn't he He says I am going to prepare a place For you Jesus is preparing The place for us not an army of angels And caterers for us This is personal for Jesus Jesus came for you Jesus died for you Jesus rose for you Jesus was ascended on high for you Jesus right now is praying for you right now, that your faith may not fail. You're not a number, you're not a statistic, you're not like, his oh, table X amongst the saints. For Jesus, this is, he personally died for you. And what David says is that he has personally laying the cutlery for you in your place, preparing the table that you might sit at with him. And we're gonna make it, it's the glorious thing. <laughs> he told this, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Charles Spurgeon, again, he likens goodness and mercy to these like divine bouncers, like marching you home. Nothing is going to get in the way. You feel like you're walking into trouble and difficulty. Yet if you would just look behind you, what you will find is goodness on the one hand and mercy on the other, following you, making sure that everything is paved right and that you will make it there batting away anything that would come in your way. And don't we feel that? We've just signed great is thy faithfulness. We look back at like maybe one of the worst years, 2021, you think, oh no, I can see the Lord's goodness and his mercy. In the time you're like, this is really awful. I can't sense the Lord. And yet when we look back, we think goodness and mercy, they were following me every day of my life. And he says, they're gonna guide us home. John Newton, who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace, he said this in the letter to another saint. He said, the saints on earth, you and me, though exposed to many sufferings and assaulted by many enemies, are as safe as the saints in glory. And I read that over Christmas. I just stopped short. The saints on earth, Ponder this for a moment. Though exposed to many sufferings and assaulted by many enemies, are as safe as the saints in glory. Toria's granddad died over Christmas. He's with Jesus right now. All, Everything is OK for him. He's with his saviour. And my life and my destiny is as safe as David's. I am as protected as David is in heaven. Yes, life assaults me. Yes, there are difficulties that I've got to face. There are phone calls I don't want to make. There are things that don't get resolved month on month on month, and it just wears me down. But I am as safe as David is in glory. I will be there one day with him, with Jesus. And this is the assurance of this Psalm that we're going to make it. And if we know anything at the beginning of this Psalm, I just want to say this. We're going to be okay because of Jesus. Everything is going to be okay. Life is hard. I'm not sure this year is going to get any easier. I have no idea. But Jesus is good. And I can testify to the goodness of Jesus through all the difficulties. And if we can just walk through them and keep our eyes on Jesus we will one day have some really good stories to tell around that banqueting table. And we will one day laugh, I think belly laughs, at all that Jesus did and all the things that we worried about and all the insecurities that we had and we will probably wonder and laugh at each other and just slap ourselves on our foreheads and think, what were we thinking if only we could have seen goodness and mercy? following us all the days of our life, amen.